Glad you all joining us. This morning, I want to start a new series um, basically titled The Upside Down Teachings of Jesus. If we read, and, and if you've ever read through Scripture, uh, Jesus' way of teaching, Jesus' way of living was countercultural. It went against everything that cu- culture at that time told you was important, and it goes against everything that our culture today says is important. Our culture today says, look out for number one. Take care of you. One of my favorite sayings, sarcasm, heavy, yes, you be you. Don't like that saying. Why? Because nothing I have ever read in Scripture says this life is about me. And so Jesus taught us to act and be different. He taught us to love those who are unlovable. He taught us to help those who needed help. He taught us to pray and love our enemies. Jesus always tended to take it a step further. You know, Old Testament law said, you know, don't murder. New Testament covenant, Jesus says, you even hate your brother. You've already committed murder in your heart. See, Jesus always took, takes us a step further. He always takes us to that next level. And that's what I love about it, the challenge of following Jesus and the excitement about following Jesus. Because when we're just obedient again to what he does, he leads us to new circumstances and he changes things and changes the chance. This morning we're going to go into Matthew 5. Again, it's the beginning, it's a popular part of scripture. Um, you know, Matthew 5 starts out with the Beatitudes and, and teaching about how to follow Jesus and characteristics that we should live out as kingdom people. We're going to look at quickly today at verses 1 through 12, but I'm not going to cover them all today. Um, This is going to be a series that's going to be ongoing as we continue to just kind of walk through this. Because I believe as Christians, we really want to follow Jesus. I believe you guys are here this morning, you really want to follow Jesus. But here's the problem I always have, (laughs) and, and maybe you have as well, is we want to follow Jesus, but we also want our own way. We say we want to surrender to Jesus, but not that part of my life, God. Let me hang on to that one. Because without that, who am I? You know, back in the day again, my life, back in the day, I was a fighter. That's what I did. If I was to give that up, who was I to become? That's how everybody knows me. But see, I had to let go of that to become who God called me to be. Didn't change my personality a bit. It's why I'm still very focused and very passionate about what I do. I change the passion from what people think of me to what does God say about me. That's what we got to do. Because guess what? People are going to look at you. They're going to judge you. They're going to tell you you're not good enough. They're going to tell you you're better than you think you are. They are going to tell you everything they think you want to hear so you become friends or you don't talk to them. See, people are just going to let us down. It's what they do. There's been one perfect person to walk this earth, and that's Jesus. And so if I'm going to listen to anybody, I'm going to listen to him. What does he say about me? Now do, and again, welcome to, in my world, there are criticisms. People are going to criticize. And, and this is how a lot of times, you've heard me say it before, this is a lot of times how I'll deal with that. I'll say, okay, is there any truth to it? And if there is, guess what? I'll change. Is, there, is this person just having a bad day and they just want to complain? Then guess what I do? There's no truth, so I'm not going to hang on to it. I'm not going to own it. I'd just be like, Psh, keep stepping. I really don't care what you have to say. 
And then you got that person that just complains about everything. Stop owning criticisms from other people. Because Jesus said, seek his kingdom first, right? And then everything else will fall into place. He didn't say, seek his kingdom, then go talk to five friends and see what they think. Because at the end of the day, I've talked with a lot of people about this. When, we, when I go to heaven, as much as you all like me, I'm just taking it for granted, you don't get to stand there with me in front of God. God's going to talk to me, just like he's going to talk to each one of you. But those connections we make with each other is what helps us grow. And so I don't want to be the same person next year that I am today. I don't want to be the same person tomorrow that I am today. I come in every Sunday morning saying, God, give us a new experience today. I don't want what we had last Sunday, even if last Sunday was amazing. I want a new, I want a new experience with you today. Do you wake up every morning, as Sean said, saying, guess what? Your mercies are new every morning, God. I get to step into something new today. Or do you wake up and automatically think about everything that went wrong yesterday? And then guess what that does? That drags yesterday into today. Because you can't change what happened yesterday. You can learn from what happened, but you can't change it. See, if I was to continue to be the same person I was years ago, I would be an alcoholic abuser. Because that's who I was. And I think we all have that story. But here's the beauty of my story. That's not who I am because Jesus forgave me and made me new. You all got that same story the minute you gave your life to Jesus. Don't matter where you've been, don't matter what you've done. Jesus said, my mercies are new every morning. And when we jump into these beatitudes and we see that Jesus pretty much defines what it means to follow him. And as I, as I looked at this, it's found in three of the four Gospels. It's found in Luke 9.23, it's found in Mark 9.34, and it's found in Matthew 16.24. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. See, to follow Jesus is all about surrendering who I think I am to who he says I am. He says, give up your own way. So as we dig into this series, we want to look at this in order to move forward. Because as we move forward with God, we start to find our purpose. And once we understand our purpose, we start to become all God created us to be. See, we all have to get to the place where I end. Because that's where Jesus begins. And when I come to the end of myself, that's where... Jesus will meet me and start walking. And that's what he says. you got to give up your own way to follow me. So I'm going to read through um, Matthew 5, 1 through 12, and then we're going to watch a short video because today I want to talk about Matthew 5, 3, where it says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. See, the key step, the first step in becoming like Jesus is understanding we're all broken. And God's the only one who can put us back together. And so it starts off, one day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up to the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. 
God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they shall be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when, you, when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Let's watch this video. What I like about that video, and, and I, I, I've watched a little bit more of her, of her story, is um, she was just driving by uh, a strip club one time, and God spoke to her heart that she's supposed to go in and minister to them people. And what's, what's really cool about her story is she called her husband and said, hey, I think God's telling me to do this. How many of all you, you guys with wives would say, okay? His response was, that's a great idea. See, what we need to understand, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more in a few seconds, but I, I love what Denny Curran says. We're all one decision away from stupid. See, <laughs> we, we need to understand, <laughs> it is very true, trust me. I think I play with that line a lot. Um, see, we're one step away from being those people. We're one paycheck, we're one divorce, we're one drug addict kid, we're one mental health diagnosis, we're one serious illness, we're one sexual assault, we're one, one night of binge drinking, we're one night of unperfect protected sex. We're one affair away from being the very people we want nothing to do with. And that's what I love about her story, is as she helped those no one else would help, she realized how broken she was. See, when we start loving the broken, we start understanding the mercy God's given us. And we start giving it out. What I love about uh, Matthew 5, 3, if you read it in the message version, I really, I really like how the message version breaks down and reads through the Beatitudes. It basically those who are at the end of their road. Less of them, there can be more of God in their life. See, we have to realize, we have to get to the end of who I think I am so Jesus can take over and I can become all he's called me to be. Sociologist Brenny Brown did a TED Talk a few years ago on vulnerability. It's accumulated over 60 million hits. A significant factor in its popularity is that the plain truth that, as much as we fight it, we long for the freedom to admit we're broken. See, we don't realize our need to do it, but it's true of every one of us, and it's most true to those who realize it the least. See, Brown helps us understand that we're not alone, that we all are broken. But see, the problem is, is we've become master illusionists in our society today of thinking everything's okay. Everything we post on social media is cropped and perfect. Everything we talk to with people about is like, hey, life is great. When deep inside we're saying, no, it's not. My life's the train wreck right now. Why, why am I struggling with this? But I got no one to talk to. I got no one to share with because we're afraid of what they might think. You know, I remember Sean shared it a few weeks ago 
about the fact of having people that you can just share what's going on in your life with is huge. And son and a lot of people out there that that's all they're looking for. Sadly, they look at the church and look at us as being judgmental of we're going to put them down and that is that, those people. But guess what? We were all those people at one time till Jesus came and gave us life. See, when we understand that we don't have to keep up appearances, your life won't fall apart if someone finds out you've made a mistake. Because here's the key to that statement. You're not a mistake. You made one. Stop. we got to stop owning them and, thinking and let them define who we are. Because when we realize and we come to the end of ourselves, and again, you heard it last week, you've heard it, and you're going to hear it until the day I, Jesus takes me home. I came to the end of myself when I came to an empty house with no wife and kids. And Kyle Eidelman makes a que- put a question out there, and I want you guys to think about this question, not only today, but the rest of this week. How would you answer the question, Jesus became real to me when? And then fill in the blank. See, sadly for most of us, Jesus becomes real to us when a tragedy hits. Because that's where we finally come to the end of us. You know, when we finally come to the end of who we think we are and say, okay, I can't do this anymore, God. We have two choices at that point. We can either run into the arms of a loving father or we can run away. Sadly today, because of the take-care-of-yourself mentality of our culture, we isolate ourselves, we pull ourselves back from people, because if they find out I'm not perfect, they won't like me. And that's exactly who Jesus came for, for those who didn't like themselves, those who didn't think they were good enough. I mean, what does he say? He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy. He's saying, you know, I get it. It hurts. It sucks. Life is hard sometimes. And we all go through things, but we all need people to talk to. And I pray that you guys are developing those friendships outside of your marriage that you can talk to. Now, if you're married, I'm sure all you guys have heard your wife say, I just need some women time. Let them do it. Because they need time. How many of you guys are fixers? See, that's who we are as guys, right? We're fixers. We hear a problem, we want to fix it. It's what we do. How many of y'all know your wife don't want you to fix it mo- most of the time? I'm don't, I don't know that either because I still try to fix it because it's who I am. So finally, I've come to the point of asking, my, I'm, I'm like, do you just want to vent or do you want me to help with something? I mean, I've, I've just gotten that blunt because I'm dumb, Okay. I'm just like, what do you want me to do? And if it's just a vent, then guess what? I can sit down, be quiet, and just listen. I'm biting my tongue the whole time, but I'm listening. (laughs) Because Jesus says, when you come to the end of yourself, that's where I begin. And so we have to let people who are broken or feeling broken share that. It doesn't make them bad people. That's right where Jesus wants us. Because with less of me, there's more of him. That's what John the Baptist said. I have to become less so he can become more. See, John didn't have to get broken. He was broken in his spirit from birth. 
He knew he was just there to prepare the way for the Messiah. Do you all know you are just here to prepare the way for somebody's life to meet Jesus? Because that's what Jesus does. See, we become masters of covering our pain up. We've been, we become masters of just getting busy so we don't have to think about our problems. Because if I don't think about them, then they must not be there. See, we become masters of hiding from the reality of we are all broken. But God can put us back together. We just got to give them all to pieces. See, when we re- the first thing we want to realize about the Beatitudes Jesus is saying is we're all broken and God is putting us back together. If you jump into Jeremiah 18, 4 through 6, it's a great story of God giving Isaiah, or Jeremiah a vision and Jeremiah follows this vision, and he, and he follows it to a potter's house. And it starts off in verse 4 where it says, But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped it to. So he crushed it into a lump of clay and again started over. Then the Lord gave me this message. And you can insert your name here. O Israel, O Jean, can I not do to you as this potter has done to this clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in mine. See, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter what cracks are in your life or what might not look perfect. Because when you are in the potter's hands, he can take it back and reform it to what he's called you to be. As long as you can let go of those past mistakes, those past hurts. Because if you hang on to them, you're not giving him all the pieces. See, when I come to the end of me, that's where Jesus begins. When I understand that life was never meant to be done on my own, that I was built for relationships, I start understanding that that changes everything. See, I've got some friends and I've got some mentors that I just share with that we talk about just about everything. They don't think less of me because I struggle with things. I don't think less of them because they struggle with things. Because we all know we're on this journey together. See, a lot of times, and again, this this is the sad state of I guess it's not so sad. It's, it's, it's what God's called me to do. But I always get to meet people when they're at their worst. Y'all never want to just make an appointment to come in and hang out because we're having a good time. Y'all want to call and say, hey, this... And, and again, I, don't, I like that. That's what God's called me to do. So don't hear me wrong. But I also want to have fun with life outside of that. That's why the cribbage tournament for me was so much fun. It's just a bunch of guys getting together and, and gals playing cribbage. That's life. See, our problems aren't our life. They're just problems. But we make them our life when we focus on them all the time. So we learn to have fun with people. We learn to understand that as we go through this and as we walk through this next few weeks, that as as we journey towards the end of ourselves, you're going to step into a new calling that God's given you, into a new creation that he's called you to be. Let me make a statement before, and I truly believe it. It's why I always look for the best in all situations, and, and, and I do it most of the time. And that's the statement that you're going to find what you're looking for. In the last, how many of you guys have ever heard the statement, you have to lower your expectations of people? I'm sorry, I can't do that. Because I know people will shoot for what you give them a goal for. 
No, I, I set the bar, and I expect them to do great things, and I expect you all to do great things. But guess what? If you miss the mark, I don't think of you of any less. It means, because that's what God did for me. Okay, as, as God called me, he, he set the bar here. Okay, I hit about here to start with. But guess what? That's farther than I was the year before where I was here. See, we don't reach perfection until we get to heaven. And so we want to keep shooting above and stretch ourselves farther than what we think we can go because then God steps in and says, guess what? I can fill in the blanks. God, again, God can't steer a parked car. Some of y'all just need to get up and start moving and God will nudge you to where you need to go. And it's all going to begin when you understand that I can't do it on my own. I need Jesus. See, if you want to come to the end of yourself, we need to make sure that we begin with him when we start over. When Jesus chose his 12 disciples, and if you read their story, their end began when he said, come and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. They left everything they knew. They were fishermen. You think about Matthew, the tax collector. He had status. Everybody hated him, but he looked good to the Romans. Jesus said, follow me. He left everything, came to the end of everything he thought he was important. You look at Zacchaeus. He had title. He had prestige. He had money. He had a nice house. He had everything culture says is great. But he climbed up in a tree and said, I want to see this Jesus. He gave up everything that the world thought was important and gave up what he thought was important to find the one who is of utmost importance. And that's Jesus. You look at Mary and Martha. They lost their brother Lazarus. Jesus, if you'd have just been here, he wouldn't have died. He said, but you got to understand, I am the resurrection and the life. So they came to the end of their understanding who they thought Jesus was, and Jesus brought them to a deeper understanding of who he is. And that's what Jesus wants to do with each and every one of us. When we get to the end of ourselves, when we get to who we think we are, and we get to the end of not knowing what we're doing, Jesus steps in and says, I have so much more to give you. You just got to trust me. And that is the beginning of it. Where we end is the beginning of our trust. See, when you look at, and, and, and again, I'll use Peter as an example, because he's a great one to use, because he gives me hope, because... Uh, I'm, I tend to shoot my mouth off. I tend to just blurt things out. I tend to do things wrong. And I'm sure there's many a times Jesus would have looked at me and said, get behind me, Satan, um, just like he did to Peter. Not more than two seconds after he just got through saying that Jesus was the Son of God. Um, so, I mean, y'all have hope. But until you think about it now, and, Jesus, and then Peter cuts off uh, Malchus's ear in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then he denies Jesus three times, Right? Why? Because if you read the story and understand the story before that, Peter said, you're not going to prison. I will die before you go to prison. And that's where Jesus made the statement, you're going to deny me. Why? Because Peter at that point said, guess what? Under my strength, I'm going to be able to do this. They will not do this to you. And see, that's what we do with our faith. We say, no, I read my Bible. I know what I know. And so they're not going to be able to change my thought processes. Sadly, yes, they will. Because again, as we've talked about it before, the devil is a better liar than you are a believer. And so unless you put your faith in the Holy, and your trust in the Holy Spirit, you will be deceived. That's what the Bible tells us, right? And so Peter denies him, but what does Jesus do after he comes back? He finds him and says, do you love me, Peter? See, Peter started to get to the end of himself. 
It's like, you know I do, Jesus. Then feed my sheep. But do you love me, Peter? We need to take you a little bit less of you, Peter. Jesus, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. And then Jesus asked him one more time, do you love me, Peter? And he says, Jesus, you know everything. He had gotten to the end of himself and said, feed my sheep. And that's where he changed his life, changed to the day of Pentecost. I don't think, and again, I'm throwing this in there. This is my thought process. I don't think if that wouldn't have happened that day, that Pentecost would have happened the way it would with Peter having the guts to stand up and preach to 3,000 people because he had gotten to the end of himself that morning at that breakfast and said, you know everything, Jesus. You are my everything. See, because he could have slipped back into the, nah, Jesus, they aren't going to do this. But he said, no, I'm going to go wait because you know everything. And if you told me to wait, I'm waiting. See, some of us, when we read our Bible, we just got to believe it. Like, like Peter did when Jesus said, go, to the, go back and wait in the upper room. Did he discuss it? No, no, let me think about that. I might have to take care of a few things back home. No, they went back to the upper room. They just trusted him. See, the end of me is the beginning of trust. The end of me is where I start my new identity, and that's what happened with Peter, didn't it? Partway through Peter's story, Jesus gave him a new name. He went from Simon to Peter. We see Saul turning into Paul. Y'all have been given a new name when you came to Jesus. Now, you have, a lot of us have to grow into that new name, to grow into that new identity. Because as the disciples followed Jesus, they continued to come to their end, end of themselves all the time. They continued to see what Jesus was doing. Because as we follow Jesus and we learn from him, it means we have to be different people. See, I can't come to Jesus and remain the same. Everywhere in Scripture that you read, when somebody came face to face with Jesus, they went face down in worship. Again, we come to the end of ourselves, we start seeing our new identity, that I, I am His. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Everything I've done in my past has been wiped clean. Because God said, I have taken your sin, as far, thrown them as far as the east is from the west, thrown them in the deepest of the seas to never be remembered anymore. If you haven't figured out yet, as you're coming to this church, one of my biggest passions is that people figure out that newness of life. To understand you are more than conquerors. You are more than victorious. You are God's masterpiece. That is my heart that people get. What gets me fired up? That gets me fired up. Now, does it mean that I'm a, a perfect masterpiece? No, I'm more the Van Gogh masterpiece with a missing ear and just kind of face all over the place. But I am still God's masterpiece. That's what's important. I'm not the world's masterpiece. I'm not the perfect person everybody thinks I am. I'm who God created me to be, mistakes and all. Because that's where God's grace comes in. And we all need it. See, I, I don't look at people and say that, those people, because I was one of those people and would have never been invited probably by any of you guys to church. Four earrings, flat top, constant black, raiders, bad attitude. Would rather punch you than say hello to you. But I came to the end of myself and say, okay, God, I screwed this up. Help me. I had an uncle who never stopped praying for me, and I got in. And honestly, I didn't get invited to the church I went to. Me and Christy talked. I said, if we don't put God first, this ain't going to work. I said, where's the church? I'm like, we're not going to that one. We're not going to that one. Why? Because we both understood those, and it didn't work from the beginning for us. I said, okay, my uncle's an Assembly of God pastor. My sister got saved when she was weird down at Assemblies of God Church in, in, in Bloomington. 
And I did. I went for my first time in an Assembly of God church. They stood up and started raising their hands in worship. I thought they were all nuts. I was 16. I looked at my dad. I'm like, what are they doing? He goes, don't know. You don't have to do it. I'm like, good, because they're crazy. Now, God has a sense of humor, and within two years of me getting saved, guess what I was leading? People raising their hands in worship to God. So God will take you and stretch you a little bit. But I started doing that stuff, and all of a sudden, I came to the end of myself, and I started trusting God with who he said I was, not who I thought I was, because, again, who I thought I was was a horrible, horrible person. So I show up at a church, and I hear a message that says, I'm never going to water down the gospel to make someone happy. I'm like, that's what I need right there. And so God became real to me when... I surrendered who I thought I was and chose to follow him. And, but it's a daily surrender we have to go through. And so the last thing I want to talk about this morning, just real quickly, and we're going to go into some prayer time this morning for you guys to find those areas in your life, those dangerous prayer areas in your life. Search my heart, oh God, is there any way in me that's contrary to what you want me to become? Because I want to surrender those this morning to you to walk out of here in the freedom and the newness of life and knowing that when I end, Jesus, you meet me there and make mercies new every morning. See, when I come to the end of me, I understand it's the beginning of God's power. See, as the disciples followed Jesus, their brokenness was on display. Like I said, Peter constantly putting his foot in his mouth. All the disciples, John and James, called the sons of thunder because they wanted to sit at the right and left hand of Jesus. And Jesus said, you have no idea what you're asking for. And then they even brought their mom into it. But mom, go talk to him, please. And so, okay, that's how I read the Bible. Y'all got to relax a little. Oh, <laughs> We see Saul getting, you know, the gold that's constantly, we see people's brokenness all the time in Scripture. But the beauty of every story in Scripture coming out of that brokenness, it says God turns beauty from ashes. Your life is like the phoenix coming out of the ashes when you surrender to Jesus. And Jesus said, as, I, as you trust me, I'll give you a new identity. I'll explain and walk with you through your purpose. And the kingdom of heaven really does begin and ex expands, and it's entrusted to the broken people Jesus came to save. It's why I love, again, that first verse. When, when, when you think about that first verse of when I come to the end of myself, and you remember back to Jesus when the children will run into him, and the disciples said, hey, hang on to your kids. Stop letting them run around in church. They're making all kinds of noise. Okay, maybe it wasn't in church, but maybe I've heard that one once or twice. But Jesus says, don't suffer the little kids to come to me because you have to become like a little child to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because little kids just trust their parents. They know who they are is wrapped up in who their parents are. I've told you the story of one of my kids jumping off a ladder into my arms when I told him to get down from a ladder. It's, it's what kids do, isn't it? So that's all Jesus is asking us to do is get to the end of yourself and trust me like a child. Have that childlike faith that says, Jesus, I know you're going to rescue me. I know you're going to be with me. I know you're going to walk with me. Because that's what your word says. God, I know your mercies are new every morning. You make all things new. You have taken my dirty and made it clean. Because that's what you said. Not because I'm special, but because you gave me your grace and mercy. So take this last few minutes to just pray over that. To pray over those things that might be going on in your life. And understand that God actually prefers you broken because he can put it back together then. So if there are things that you need to let go of this morning, God needs to have all the pieces. 
to put it back together. That lump of clay we see, he didn't take a piece of it out of it that was no good. He took it all and remolded it. And that's what God wants to do with you all this morning, is take every piece of your dirty, every piece of your broken, rename it, make it new, and help you understand that we are one of those people. We are Jesus followers. That's the those people I want to be. And you've heard me say from the beginning of me starting pastor in this church, somebody walks in here with blue spiky hair, 14 earrings, and 92 tattoos on their face, smell like alcohol and drugs, we are going to sit them in the front row and love on them like nobody has loved on them all week. Because that's who we are. We're all broken, and God is putting us back together.